The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a show that covers breaking and headline news, offers analysis, commentary, and I interview high-profile public figures. In each show, I also highlight an exceptional organization, company, nonprofit, or even an individual that does great work in the community. Today, after the headlines, I interview attorney Seppi Shine, who is a candidate for the West Hollywood City Council. Here are some headlines from this morning and over the weekend. Only a week is left until Election Day. More than 50 million people have already cast ballots so far, according to The Guardian newspaper. The high level of early voting has led Michael McDonald, the University of Florida professor who administers the U.S. Elections Project, to predict a record turnout of about 150 million, representing 65% of eligible voters, the highest rate since 1908. In Texas, the level of voting has already surpassed 70% of the total turnout in 2016. In Georgia, some have waited in line for more than 10 hours to cast their ballots. And in Wisconsin, They have seen a record number of early votes, with 1.1 million people having returned their ballots as of last week. Vice President Joe Biden continues to hold double-digit national lead over Donald Trump in NBC News Wall Street Journal poll. Joe Biden leads by 11 points nationally in the new poll, which also finds 62% of Americans believe the nation is on the wrong track. The White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows said Sunday that the U.S. is not going to control the coronavirus pandemic as cases surge across the country and nearly 225,000 Americans have died from the virus. He said, we are not going to control the pandemic. We are going to control the fact that we get vaccines, therapeutics, and other mitigation areas. Meadows told CNN's Jake Tapper on State of the Union. CNN reported yesterday that as the fall surge continues, the United States has reported its second highest day of new COVID-19 cases, according to data from Johns Hopkins University. Saturday saw 83,718 new cases, just 39 cases shy of the all-time record that was reported on Friday. Azerbaijan and Turkey's unprovoked war against Artsakh and Armenia continues after Azerbaijan violated the terms of two ceasefires. Azerbaijan's president Aliyev refusing to accept the Armenians' right to self-determination in Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, launched a massive attack against Armenia and Artsakh on September 27. Before the war, Azerbaijan secured the support of the Turkish armed forces and a large number of ISIS terrorists and Syrian, Libyan, and Pakistani mercenaries paid and recruited by the Turkish government. Since, Azerbaijan has relentlessly shelled Artsakh with missiles and cluster bombs, which are illegal under international law. Aliyev has also targeted cultural institutions, bombing an ancient Armenian cathedral three times. On Thursday, New Jersey Congressman Frank Pallone joined bipartisan group of 34 members of the House of Representatives, introduced a resolution supporting the Republic of Artsakh, recognizing its right to self-determination, and condemning Azerbaijan and Turkey for the aggression. 
On Friday, Congressman Adam Schiff formally called for U.S. recognition of the Republic of Artsakh. Congressman Schiff said, The United States will not stand idly as Azerbaijan and Turkey wage war on Artsakh, killing hundreds of soldiers and civilians and displacing tens of thousands. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much. Uh, and my friend Paul Kokorian, thank you for bringing us all together today. Let me just talk about how this all got started. President Aliyev of Azerbaijan is facing increasing domestic discontent in his country over his corrupt handling of governance in that nation. And like so many despots around the world, his response is not to try to improve the conditions of the people in his country, but rather to provoke war with his neighbor. And that is exactly what he has done. Shelling innocent civilians, killing people, and risking a wide regional war. And in this provocation, in this aggression, in this murder, he is being aided and abetted by Erdogan and Turkey. On a bipartisan basis in Congress, Jackie Speer and I have introduced a resolution calling on Azerbaijan to cease its aggression, cease its murder of civilians, demanding the installation of ceasefire monitoring equipment along the line of contact, and telling Turkey's Erdogan to back off, to stop recruiting foreign fighters from Syria. We have a strong bipartisan message for Turkey and Erdogan. You're a member of NATO. Start acting like one. And we have a message for Azerbaijan. Cease the hostilities or there will be consequences. It is long past time that we stopped providing military support to Azerbaijan, which it perverts and uses for its aggression against its neighbors. This conflict must cause us to re-examine our relationship with both Azerbaijan and Turkey. If an ally of the United States is recruiting foreign fighters from Syria to encourage further bloodshed and the murder of civilians, what kind of ally are they, NATO or otherwise? And so we must speak in the strongest terms, not only in Congress, but we must demand that of our administration. So I would say to the administration, stop talking in terms of equivalency. Stop merely calling on both sides to stop when one party is the aggressor. Because when you do that, when you give the false impression that both sides are responsible, when Azerbaijan and Turkey are the aggressors, you do nothing but encourage the aggression. And so we will fight in Congress to make sure that we do all we can to stop this conflict. But we also have to make sure the American people understand what is at stake. When our Armenian ally and our friends in Artsakh are being murdered, when civilian areas are being targeted by Azeri bombs and artillery, and civilians are being targeted by foreign fighters with the help of Turkey. It threatens all of our freedoms. And so we must speak out. Many of us warned that if we didn't, that we would have a conflagration just like the one we're seeing. A lot of people in our country don't know this region and they're only learning about it now. Let's make sure that we put an end to this conflict. We put an end to the suffering and we never give Azerbaijan or Turkey reason to believe that they could commit such acts of violence again with impunity.
On Saturday, the French President Emmanuel Macron recalled France's ambassador to Turkey after the Turkish President Erdogan suggested that Macron needs mental health treatment. In reaction to the atrocities committed by Azerbaijan and Turkey, cities around the globe have started to recognize Artsakh's independence. Well, the election day is Tuesday, November 3rd, as it always has been. The deadline to register in person to vote is also Tuesday, November 3rd. Early voting period runs from Monday, October 5th through Monday, November 2nd, but dates and hours may vary based on where you live. You can also register and vote on election day. You can track your ballot after voting. In California, you can go to sos.ca.gov, and anywhere else you can visit ballottracks.com. That's B-A-L-L-O-T. TRAX.com. And for all other voting information and to register, you can go to registertovote.ca.gov if you're in California. And anywhere else, you can go to vote.org. That's vote.org. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. For today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to talk about not just what's happened in Artsakh and the slaughter of Armenians, but about fairness and global community and responsibility and how the big, the big guy, the bully, usually will get a lot of people pander to them. We're now learning that this attack by Azerbaijan and Turkey, this unprovoked attack on Artsakh and Armenia, was pre-planned for about a year, and Azerbaijan went out and hired six lobbying organizations and PR, uh, public relations companies, uh, to make sure that a lot of, there's a lot of media placement that are pro-Azerbaijan and are just basically propaganda. And of course, uh, with Turkey's dime, they recruited ISIS, Syrian, Libyan, Pakistani mercenaries to fight for uh, Azerbaijan and Turkey, uh, targeting uh, Armenian civilians. Uh, there are gruesome videos on YouTube and, and photos out there that are ironically taken by Azerbaijani soldiers where they capture Armenian soldiers and villagers, just um, civilians, and then they behead them. They parade around with their head. This is happening now in real time, and yet it's unfathomable with everything that's happened in the last hundred years that we've known about multiple genocides, the Armenian Genocide, the Holocaust, the Rwandan Genocide, Cambodian, Chilean, you know, Sudan, and so many others, that the global community is not stopping what's happening. That, that this is just, that no one is able to stop the two dictators, Erdogan and Aliyev, the presidents of Turkey and Azerbaijan. It's just, it's just, it's unfathomable. The Armenian community is extremely frustrated and our allies and our friends. And, you know, European Parliament, the Council of Europe, European uh, Union, uh, United Nations, so ineffective. All they can do is release these statements that say, you know, we're deeply concerned and we condemn these attacks and this and that, but that doesn't do anything. Some sort of an action is needed. And thank goodness that American elected officials have been a lot more uh, hands-on and proactive in trying to do something, you know, and kudos to Congressman Adam Schiff, as always, Congressman 
Frank Pallone, Congresswoman uh, Jackie Speer, and Congresswoman Grace Napolitano, uh, and others that have stepped up and are saying, we need to recognize Artsakh's independence. Because Artsakh, uh, or also known as Nagorno-Karabakh, has never been part of an independent Azerbaijan. It declared its independence from USSR before Azerbaijan. So the people of Artsakh, who are Armenian, get to determine their own faith, and they want to be independent, and the world needs to acknowledge that and recognize it. So what has to happen now is cities, organizations, and then countries have to recognize uh, Artsakh's independence. And enough of pandering to the bullies of this dictator Erdogan who is creating all kinds of problems in the region with Greece, with Cyprus, and now with uh, Armenia and Artsakh and fueling this, this ethnic cleansing that Azerbaijan is doing uh, with their dirty oil money. So there, there was my bluntness for today um, about uh, this horrendous, horrendous unleashing of a war on Artsakh and Armenia, and I hope that it ends soon. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Seppi Shine is a candidate for the West Hollywood City Council. Seppi is an Iranian-American business and trademark attorney, Reiki master, and LGBTQ plus civil rights advocate. Seppi serves as an appointed business license commissioner for the city of West Hollywood and an appointed member of the LA County Assessor's Advisory Council. She is a past co-president of the LGBTQ Bar Association of Los Angeles. She currently serves on the steering committee of the Human Rights Campaign LA as co-chair of the Political Action and Community Engagement and is a co-organizer of We Own Neighbors Helping Neighbors. Seppi ran for West Hollywood City Council in 2019 and came within 141 votes of beating a two-term incumbent. Seppi lives in West Hollywood with her wife, actress Ashley Shine. Hey Seppi, thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic today. How are you? I'm good, Vic. It's so good to be back, and I, I love your show, and I'm, I'm honored to be on your show again. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're back, and uh, we have one more week left, so uh, the City of West Hollywood uh, City Council uh, race is on. One more week, so how are you doing? Oh, my goodness. Well, I am working day and night, um, calling voters. It's really... You know, the endorsement process, which takes up the bulk of the uh, campaigning, it ended uh, a few weeks back. And I was really excited to just really focus on voter outreach because I love talking to our neighbors and really connecting with our residents. So this part of it has been fantastic. Uh, and I'm really excited. We're, we're, our team is excited, our volunteers are excited, and we're just working really hard to reach everybody. Yeah, and it shows because everywhere I go, I see people are holding your sign and your picture and taking pictures with it on social media. And uh, so it's really exciting to see. And hopefully, you know, there's a big change to come, not just in the country, but also West Hollywood, which is just, it's needed badly. Um, yeah, and this is really the year of change, really, all across, uh, locally in West Hollywood, people People that we have reached out to are really, really excited for change, and they've been ready for change for a long time. And we see this 
in uh, the social justice movement. We're seeing this in uh, the results even from COVID-19 of being locked down for so long and seeing how our climate uh, recovered for just a few, a short while, while people have to change their ways of living. Uh, we're seeing this on in every level, on the federal level, people are really, really wanting change. And um, we're really excited to be a part of this collective change that is going to happen. Yeah. And speaking of change, one of the big things that's different about your campaign is you have run a campaign without taking a dollar from developers, which pretty much own and control West Hollywood developers and hoteliers, which are, you know, sort of synonymous. How were you able to do that? Well, working really hard <laughs> to fundraise. Um, I was able to do that by sticking to my values. And I will tell you, Vic, we got uh, two donations um, this like, this uh, election. One was a $3 donation from um, the son of a developer. And I called him and talked to him and I said, I, you know, you, you work for your dad here. I, I can't take money from you. And he was really sweet. He's like, oh, no, I just want women in office. And I was like, I really appreciate it, but I've made a pledge. So I'm going to return the money to you. And then we got another donation. I think it was something like $150 from uh, one of uh, one of our co-hosts for one of our fundraisers had been telling all his friends and uh, one of his friends donated. And I noticed that it's someone that works for it. That is a developer that isn't in this town, but we made uh, we made sure to return that as well. And I connected with them. We've put on so many fundraisers. I've made so many calls. Um, our contributions from West Hollywood residents have been incredible. Uh, our contributions from uh, people that are part of this community that may not live here, but play here and come here, that are part of the LGBTQ community, that, that even aren't, that are allies, they've con contributed. People that used to live here and were economically displaced but still love our city, have contributed, my family and friends. And this really has been uh, a campaign that I have led since a year ago now. Um, I, it was back in October when I had, uh, I think about over 20 people come to my house before COVID and we shot our announcement video and the excitement of our campaign has just continued and grown and uh, I'm really proud of myself quite honestly and my team for standing behind me and helping me to essentially raise I think our last numbers were over $80,000 as of, wow. our, of our last <laughs> filing. Wow still stuck on the developer's son donating three dollars <laughs> what was that about? I'm just wondering. Um... Yeah, that, I mean, $3 is such a strange, right? And, but the, the, the reality is with campaign donations, anything under 100 is not reportable. And so, right. and my, my team was just shocked. They're like, we haven't ever had a candidate with your integrity. I'm like, well, that's yeah. who I am. And I'm, I didn't get into politics to operate the same way as yeah. 
it has been operating. I'm here to create change. Like, like so I've on. been saying all along, if nothing changes, nothing changes. And if yep. people don't campaign differently and people don't vote differently and not vote for the establishment candidate who's going to be business as usual, then the result is that West Hollywood has been on this trajectory of becoming Beverly Hills East, as some people refer to it. Um, sort of yeah. unlivable unless you are in the upper middle class and higher uh, income bracket. Yeah. And some of the candidates, some of them speak well about social justice, but most of them, when it comes to it, I don't think they really care. So, um, yeah, West Hollywood is uh, lucky to have you as a candidate and hopefully lucky to have you as a council member. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with attorney Seppi Shine, a candidate for West Hollywood City Council. Any developments, anything new that um, are really notable in this race recently? Let's see, continuing. Oh, something that is uh, important to point out, uh, just uh, well, recently in the city, actually, um, I'll talk about some stuff that's happened in our city. Uh, there was an item in uh, at city council in the last city council meeting, um, a couple of items, and it it really goes to a big crux of my campaign platform, which is to bring more ethics and transparency to city government. And I I do intend to partner up with a council member. Uh, and work with staff to really limit developer donations like the city of LA has, mm -hmm. uh, because it's really important that we do that. We don't have limits on developer donations and I wanna create a really strong uh, limit. It's, it's not legal, it's not constitutional to completely ban contributions, but it is ethical and constitutional to limit donations right. um, and it will be better for our city but council members Meister and D'Amico brought forth a uh, motion in the last city council meeting to bring more transparency and ethics into our city government and the item essentially asked staff to write a ordinance that would that says that if a organization a PAC or a board member of an organization endorses or basically publicly supports or opposes a candidate for office, that organization cannot then come to city council and partner with the city, ask for any money or um, get any kind of in-kind in support. I think that's for nine months. So there is a limit on it, it's not like forever. Um, I supported the the item. Um, I think the part about the board members part is a little bit of an overreach, quite frankly, because there are residents uh, that serve on multiple capacities. They might serve as a city official, they're a resident, and they might sit on the boards of a couple of organizations. And just because their you know organization or PAC endorses or opposes, I don't think that should trigger a limit. But certainly the organization making an endorsement. That's an important point. And this really goes to the crux of what we have where 501c4 organizations um, make endorsements where they're not legally really supposed to have endorsements as a majority of what they do. 
but they can do endorsements, I think what they need to do is create separate packs that are separate from them. Um, but the reality is, it's really this this item stops stops the pay to play and pay to endorse politics that uh, quite often have happened in this city. And so I supported it, and it passed. And um, council is going to be writing it up. Um, excuse me, staff is going to write something up for council to. It's going to come back to council, and hopefully, I'll be sitting on the council and probably. Uh, Maybe amending the board member part because I, I do think that's too that goes too far. So that that happened recently in the the city. So something to point out that's new. Um, another couple of other things. Um, unfortunately, w- apparently we were the uh, third <laughs> third highest. Um, we got the distinction in uh, a survey of cities across. America as being the third most expensive place to live, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, we, we have, there is a development that is going to be built on Kings Road. And there was an article saying that there, a two-bedroom, two-bedroom uh, apartment at this development is going to go for rents of more than 17000 a month. Wow. This is this is not the West Hollywood. I certainly moved to eleven years ago, just this past eleven years, but definitely not the village that we all have called home and have had a sanctuary to go to. And a lot of the issues and reasons for the economic displacement and high cost of living and egregious rents is, quite frankly, all of the developer money that's poured in. Uh, and some people tell me, oh, you know, how are you going to control that or how uh, you can't stop development? No, I'm not here to stop development. We're, I'm here to make sure we have responsible development that has more affordable housing that is good for our residents, that um, is in line with our general plan. But what has happened in the past little over a decade is uh, the city has skirted our general plan rules and zoning by getting into developer agreements that are done behind closed doors. Um, So when that's done, there's not enough resident input or transparency and the developers get up all sorts of incentives. And these developer agreements end up creating luxury developments such as that um, and others that just will turn our city eventually into Beverly Hills. And that's not what our city was founded for. Our city was founded to protect renters and seniors and um, the LGBTQ community. Yeah, there's no managed growth anymore because I'm definitely not anti-development, but I'm for responsible development. And that's just gone array in West Hollywood when developers are donating huge amounts to certain candidates and nonprofit organizations and these organizations are acting like lobbyists to the city uh, under the guise of sponsorship. That was another thing I wanted to bring up when you said PAC. Some of these PACs were supposed to be, you know, they're supposed to be independent and autonomous from the nonprofits that they are related to and be ran completely separately. But the reality is that they're not. A lot of times they're not. And they are 
they are basically just uh, a loophole for these nonprofit organizations to lobby uh, politicians in the city and candidates and, and such. So it's really difficult to control all of that. I mean, I do, I do think that it was a great idea that the city passed this new, at least this first step for an ordinance, limiting it and sort of, I guess, punishing someone that, that, that breaks the rule for nine months. It is such a daunting task. And to that point, it's going to be a daunting for, for most of the most of the elected officials were taking, you know, office in 2021, whether it be president, vice president, senators, etc., and also you, because so much damage has been done. Um, some of it just gradually, and some of it due to COVID-19. That some of the challenges that were already there are now exasperated, and Absolutely. so I wonder, like, let's just pick one thing, for example. In the last few months, we've seen so many uh, institution businesses, uh, West Hollywood nightlife, which is, you know, West Hollywood is known for its nightlife. So many clubs and bars and, and popular restaurants have closed. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jarami, and you are listening to my interview with attorney Seppi Shine, a candidate for West Hollywood City Council. What do you think the solution should be in 2021? Well, in 2021, depending on where we are, right, um, one solution is to elect new council members because this the, the closure of a lot of our longtime businesses started before COVID. And as you said, it was exacerbated by COVID. The solution is to elect people that have actual uh, small, small business uh, expertise. I'm one of them. I own two small businesses. I represent businesses in my legal practice, small for mid-sized businesses. Um, but I'm also for our residents. So I'm not this corporate type that I just care about only the bottom line. And I think what we need to really do in West Hollywood is create a small business task force to really, which is separate from the West Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. It can work with the chamber, but we need something separate from the Chamber of Commerce because quite frankly, the Chamber of Commerce has a lot of members who are developers and um, they, so they're there to advocate for their members and they're doing the job that they're supposed to, but we need more actual small business that may not be able to afford to be a part of the chamber to get advocacy to. So we do that by creating a small business task force so that the city council members and the staff can have really be more in touch with what's happening on the ground. We need to put a lot of pressure on L.A. County, who recently passed a uh, an ordinance that basically says that card rooms and wineries and uh, uh places that serve just beer can partner with the food vendor so that they don't go out of business. So in other words, if, if you, you know, you have, let's say, um, Gold Coast, let's say Gold Coast was just a winery, which by the way, you know, longest serving bars, you know, uh, in right. West Hollywood recently closed down. If they were just a winery and this had passed before they shut down, they could have then partnered up with a food vendor, 
perhaps maybe Los Tacos. There's down the street and Los Tacos would come and serve food at their establishment. And then now they can take part in the out zone uh, program that the city council passed and be able to at least survive. Uh, what the county fell short of doing is allowing just bars to do this. And they really, we need to put pressure on them to, to go step further and allow our bars to partner with food vendors because that's really the only way they're going to survive. There's no way a bar can remain closed this many months and not be able to survive. We need to look at what types of, uh, you know, when Joe Biden uh, gets elected, um, you know, and hopefully, then we will have some federal money coming in to help local cities that we're lacking right now. And so hopefully West Hollywood can give more support to our small businesses. Uh, we're losing a lot of our LGBTQ businesses. And uh, quite frankly, we need to provide some incentives. LGBTQ owned businesses, um, just like businesses owned by people of color and women have the most difficult time and it's been proven as small businesses they have the most difficult time remaining in business and so i think the city needs to give incentives to um, these businesses to help spur their growth one other thing we need to also do in west hollywood is have an actual plan a, a you know 10-year plan for our businesses that will help that is creative and that will help diversify the type of businesses that we have. Because as we've seen, yes, tourism is gonna come back. We just don't know when this pandemic is gonna change. But we can still have tourism in our city, but let's diversify and bring in more businesses and attract more businesses that uh, can still survive even through a pandemic. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with attorney Seppi Shine, a candidate for West Hollywood City Council. Yeah, one of the things that fascinates me is that the city keeps greenlighting hotel projects, especially four-star hotels, and yet the city of West Hollywood does not have a single ballroom that holds more than 200 people comfortably which is very interesting. And that's, I say that because it's bad for business because conventions and uh, large events are unable to hold in West Hollywood because of that. So they go to downtown or they go to Beverly Hills or just LA. So- Well, our, you know, our, our most profitable two weekends of the year have been for our businesses and tourism have been Pride mm-hmm. and Halloween. Yeah both of which were canceled, uh, rightly so, this year because of COVID. Right. But Pride, at least LA Pride, has now completely moved out of the city. And I hope to be on council so I could be part of creating a new Pride that will attract tourists, but will also have accountability and um, be very community-centric, which is what LA Pride in its last year actually successfully did, was to become more community-centric. Um, and the, the issues with CSW happened before, uh, you know, new before the new new leadership, Madonna Cacciatore, came on, who did an incredible job of bringing more integrity to uh, the city and creating a more community-based pride. So uh, we just need to have the new pride 
focus on community more and be more inclusive uh, to draw people out, not just from tourists visiting, but also our community. Yeah, pride is such a huge um, part of WeHo Business's budget. They, they really count on that. I remember in 2017 when we were organizing the Resist March and there was a lot of confusion as to what that was going to be like, the route of the march. A lot of businesses in West Hollywood panicked because they thought that the march wasn't going to go through them. Uh, and of course it was. It was actually much longer, so it helped a lot more businesses. But pride is a big part of West Hollywood, uh, the fabric of West Hollywood, as is Halloween. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next year with Christopher Street West leaving West Hollywood and what the... I know that a couple of the council members have said there will be a pride in West Hollywood and what that would look like. I think what they've asked for is an RFP process. Right. Uh, so so the lowest bidder is going to get the contract. Whoever, you know, how many bids we get, the lowest bidder will automatically get the contract and then um, work with the city to create a new pride, a WeHo pride. Right. So, Seppi, um, before we go... What uh, what would you like to add or call to action? Anything I haven't uh, covered? Yes, I think the call to action really at this point is vote, vote early, vote for change, vote for Seppi Shine. Um, if you want someone on council that has, will bring more integrity, that is not beholden to developers, that is for renters, that is for our residents, that is uh, part of the LGBTQ community and here to represent all. Uh, and to bring social justice to our city in not a performative way, but in an actual substantive manner with with detailed plans. I have detailed plans on my website, sefishine.com. Uh, really, everybody needs to get out and vote and vote early. As of yesterday, the 11-day voting centers opened. Uh, not in WeHo, but there's two near West Hollywood. One is... Uh, in the Hollywood Bowl, and one is in Beverly Hills. And you can find the location out at lavote.net. And on October 30th, there will be three locations open in West Hollywood that people can go vote in. And then, of course, on the 3rd. But until then, there's still three ballot drop-off boxes. They're very safe and secure. Uh, one is at City Hall um, that you fill out your ballot and just go drop it in there. And there's one at West Hollywood park. And then there's one at Plummer park. And those have been great. And within 72 hours, your ballot is picked up, not by a postal service worker, but an actual LA County official. And they've been doing a great job of delivering those and getting them prepped for 8 PM, November 3rd, when the election polls, when the voting centers close and they will be counted that night. Right. That's that's a lot of great information. One thing I almost forgot to ask you, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask you, with the with what's happening in Artsakh and Armenia, the unprovoked war on Artsakh and Armenia by Azerbaijan and Turkey, um, have you been following that, and what are your thoughts? Uh, it's it's devastating. I have been following it, and I've been following all of your posts. I, I've reposted a few, and... Um, also stood with Artsakh and the Armenian community. Um, it is, it's, it is honestly the result of Erdogan, a, a, a demagogue and a dictator, being 
uh, ruling over Turkey and uh, essentially uh, trying to create another genocide, quite frankly, and yeah. elected officials and people really do need to stand up and read up about what's going on. And, um, and it's not even about, oh, take one side over the other. It's very clear uh, to me what's happening. And unfortunately, with the media is not covering this enough and it's all getting, uh, at least in America, seems like it's getting uh, swallowed up by all of the local election and the fact that our, you know, Trump doesn't say anything about it at all. It right. doesn't help either. Um, and I'm hoping that new leaders in office will stand up because that's what causes movements, right, is when people stand up. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for. It's just, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Um, that that was very well said. I appreciate that, and uh, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, good luck to you. I don't think we'll we'll chat again until after the election. So good luck to your uh, to you in the next week. I'm sure you'll be working really hard, and uh, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for having me, and thank you for all you do to. Uh, you're such an incredible journalist, and uh, I really appreciate you. Thanks, Epi. That was attorney Seppi Shine, who is a candidate for West Hollywood City Council, a very refreshing candidate who has not taken any donations from developers and hoteliers, uh, something very refreshing, something that we need. Seppi, good luck to you, and thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic today. Today I have three quotes which are actually tweets uh, that are related to the war that was unleashed on Armenia and Artsakh by Azerbaijan and Turkey. Uh, And there are three tweets. The first one is from actor Sean Penn. And he wrote, As too many of us sit on our butts, Armenians are being slaughtered by Trump's pal Erdogan with weapons we provided. This is not America. Biden for America's new birth. The next one was just an artwork by Diddy. He tweeted it and it says, Armenia is under attack. And the last tweet is from Kim Kardashian. And she wrote, Armenia has been the victim of unprovoked attacks by Azerbaijan and a predictable disinformation campaign that accompanies them. Azerbaijan is blocking social media except for war propaganda. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jaramie. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter. My handle is at Vic Jaramie. That's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.